in our planning um, for this series to begin, um, starting out with a sermon on song and why we sing um, was very intentional. Um, Brent and I and John Scomp and some others had sat and discussed the importance of our um, Wednesday song class. Um, we've deemed that to be important a few years back and to continue that as a, um, as a summer series every year. To, uh, to continue to not only learn new songs and to celebrate the songs that we do know, but to uh, be a training ground for um, improved singing as a congregation and uh, giving opportunities for um, instructions for um, what our roles are in worship, but also for our um, future leaders to be able to participate in that as well. Um, when we think on a week-to-week how important song is, um, singing defines our lives in certain ways, and some of us may not consider ourselves singers. We may not um, gravitate towards singing openly in public, and sometimes even in a collective worship setting, uh, we may not feel like our voice is one that we want people to hear. Um, I want to tell you this morning that the most beautiful voices oftentimes that I've heard are the, some of the most out of tune or some of the most... Um, tempo um, laden voices that I've ever heard in song because those voices represent um, some beautiful Christian people. Um, growing up in small country ch- churches, um, we, had, um, we had those, those smaller buildings with maybe the, 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 the roof a little um, more confined and, and, and the voices just seemed to bounce around the room um, a little more. Sometimes they get absorbed in here. Um, I would say this morning, it's a beautiful um, sound from the front to be able to hear all your voices combined. Um, It's a beautiful thing to know this morning that we have friends and family in for big life events, that we're celebrating big life events as a family, that we have some that are um, back um, um, from a COVID pause and um, and choosing to be back in in worship together collectively. There's a lot of big things that, that we are kind of all walking through in these moments, now, we don't get to talk about those things, and maybe we get um, some moments afterwards before we can sort of, in fellowship, discuss how our lives are going. But I feel like um, when we sing together, we are involved in how our lives are going, even though we're not talking about the things that we're, we're going through. Um, we're singing about things this morning that um, are ways in which we can spread the gospel message. Um, we're, we're, we're saying words, and maybe we've sung these words so often that, um, that, uh, that sometimes we don't, even, we don't even realize what we're saying, right? It's like, um, it's like telling your spouse of 40 to 50 years that you love them. If you do that on a regular basis, maybe you don't realize the importance of those three words. And if you've been in a church for the majority of, of your life, or just recently been coming to church or worshiping online, we tell God we love them a lot. And I think it's very important that with our voice, um, we sing praises to God. But this morning, I want to be sure that we're also uh, mindful of how in our actions we're praising God as well. Um, Our theme for the year is to respond. Um, Respond is an opportunity that we have at the end of our service um, in our invitation to to make sure our hearts and our minds are in the right place. Um, We talked about intentionally being prepared for worship. And being thoughtful about the energy and the joy and the encouragement that we will bring. But some weeks, it's just not there. Um, some weeks, it's a struggle to get to the building. Because life is hard. And some weeks, it's like we feel like we're imprisoned. And we're in a situation that's not our own. 
and we're waiting for someone to free us from those circumstances. Um, this morning, in our pursuit of God, I wanted to remind you of the photo that I have hanging in my office of, of, of Christ pulling, pulling me out of the water. We talked last week about, um, about the importance of that and taking our life back, and that we will make mistakes, but we'll get back up and go at it again. And in our, in our, in our worship to God, it's similar. And sometimes we beat ourselves up for, for, um, for making a mistake or for pitching a song wrong or for reading the scripture um, from the wrong version or maybe just being um, forgetful about um, being timely about our transitions in worship. We plan out worship probably more than most things that we do. Our Bible classes are planned in advance and we have prepared information and direction to go, but our worship, we are intentional about every step of worship being thoughtful and, and planned. Um, uh, that process for us, um, it is no secret. Um, during a week, I will, um, I will take my sermon series that I'm working through in the title and we'll look at those scriptures. We'll look in our songbooks for scriptures that match those themes. We'll look for songs that match those themes and that work from, um, from one point to the next to kind of con- continue to transition worship in a, in a unified way, right? So from the beginning of worship to the end of worship, we knew why we were here. We remember and maybe it's not from what I'm saying in, in, in the time of preaching, but it's from what we sang together or what the scripture reading gave us that led to our communion time. There's an intentionality behind what we're doing. Um, I agree with our leadership that that's very important. And, um, and I appreciate their opportunity to, to trust in me, to give me the responsibility to sort of guide in that, but it's a partnership with our song leaders and our scripture readers and those doing communion. I have, a, I have a lot of trust and honestly excitement for what they bring to the worship experience. I take a lot of notes during worship because I like to, I like to hear the words family and allies. That we're allies together in communion, right? That we are, we are in this battlefield together, right? That we have a common purpose and we're there to protect and to help walk through life together, you know? And our song is sort of that battle cry in that as well. I like to think that, that as we are um, preparing and, 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 and presenting our lives as a living sacrifice this week. And that's where we were last week. We were in Romans 12 kind of talking about uh, pursuing God and, and leading this direction. That our intentionality and preparation doesn't just stop prior to Sunday morning. And the pursuit of God is a constant reality. And pursuing God in song may not seem like something we're doing all the time. But I want you to think about the amount of time you are either listening or singing in your, in your week. And not just here at church, but in the car, on your ride to work or school, in your time, um, leisure time at home, maybe listening to music is a passion. Maybe it is um, finding new albums and new um, artists. Um, maybe it's waiting in the office for, um, for a doctor's appointment, there's music playing. If you're in the elevator, there's music playing. If you're at Chick-fil-A, there's music playing. The words aren't there anymore, but the music's still there, right? And so you can find positive ways in which you're encouraged by the music that you're hearing. And at times, if you're paying attention to the lyrics of some songs, you can be pretty discouraged about what's being put out in song in our world today. Now, this isn't me telling you to pursue God in song in all things and rid yourself of all secular music. But be smart, church, of what you're putting in your ears that seeps into your brain, that, uh, that starts to direct your mind and your hearts toward what worship you're presenting your God, our God, the God, the creator 
the author, the one that we should be praising. If, um, if our active service or sacrifice to God is true worship, if we're to offer ourselves as an offering, a, a living sacrifice, one that's still moving and breathing, then it takes work to stay on the altar. It takes work to stay in that place where we're choosing to be offered to God daily. Now today is a day, but it's not the only day. It's an important day. It's one that we deem very important to honor God and to give Him our focus and our best, to give um, through song, to give in our time of study and, and praise and and participating in communion together, to to give financially in our offering. We have a number of things which we deem today is an appropriate time to do those things. But Monday also comes, church. And our world around us is looking for true worshipers. People who are willing to make a living sacrifice, no matter how foolish it may seem in our world around us. No matter how contrary to popular opinion it may be. Our God created everything. Our God is in charge of everything. And our God has deemed it necessary for us to be a part of that in some way. He gave the example of His Son Jesus and the indwelling of the Spirit for us to carry out some special things in our lives. Now, are we God? No, by no means. But we play a distinct role in God's purpose for our world. And our songs tell a story about that. We sang just a minute ago, Victory in Jesus. He said, I've heard an old, old story. One that we've heard so many times that we, we, we could probably sing it without looking at the words. That's a, that's a gospel message, the victory in Jesus. That he gives us victory this morning. Do you feel victorious, church? As you sit here this morning, and as you think of all the things that have gone on the week prior, and the things you have going on this week, do you feel like you've won at anything that you've been endeavoring in and working in together? Alone? Do you? Sometimes it's a stretch to find the small victories in life. Because circumstances are difficult. Because our jobs don't let up and neither do our kids. And I've got, I've got good kids. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm talking about your kids, not my kids. <laughs> we have circumstances that happen. And in all circumstances... Do we find victory in Jesus? It's easy to conform our lives to what we see in the world around us and to settle for things that aren't worth praising. It's easy to accept things that our world tells us we need to prioritize and cheapen the gift of what God has given us. God's gift to us is a pursuit of Him. God's gift to us isn't me. It isn't some, um, some leader or some, some person who has the authority this morning to lead you in your thoughts or your songs. It's the fact that God is in control of all things. And we get to participate in honoring Him this morning. But we get to do that on Monday as well. We get to have a transformed and renewed mind that we can be involved in God's perfect will. God's perfect will does not rely on our perfection, church. 
If you're looking this morning for a way in which you fit into that perfect story, it's through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. There's nothing that you're bringing to the altar this morning that's going to be impressive to God unless it involves sacrifice. The sacrifice of Christ and your personal sacrifice to not only be here this morning, but to be a part of it moving forward. The pursuit of God begins and ends in sacrifice. And if we're going to talk about worship for the next few weeks and the ways in which we worship here and songs in particular this morning, it requires sacrifice. So, what's the sacrifice that you put into singing this morning? Well, maybe it's just participating when you don't feel like it. Maybe you've got a lot of things going on and maybe, maybe you don't even have the breath in your lungs like you used to. And we've, had, we've had illness um, um, rip through our nation and the world and sometimes breathing is difficult. But we can still praise God with the breath that we have. Some of us aren't as, as loud and as, as um, sound in our singing approach as we used to be at a younger age, but we still can praise God. Carmen and Marilyn Phillips. Marilyn was my grandmother, my, my, um, is my grandmother, my mom's mom. She passed when I was in high school. Beautiful singer. Maybe not because she hit all the notes, and maybe Carmen didn't as well, but they... They pursued God in song. And their, their, their character, to me, um, pursued God in sacrifice. So their songs meant more to me because their life pursued God in sacrifice. But their songs told me a story because they pursued God in sacrifice. So if you're discouraged this morning because you're not capable of leading singing, whatever that means... It's all about participation. Right? Pursuing God begins and ends in sacrifice. So whatever is, is holding you back from pursuing God in song, lay it down. We've, we've, we've been here before. We've, we've, we've discussed um, strategies that, would, that um, would give us the best um, worship. We've talked about, uh, we've been to the, to the seminars. We've had the opportunities to... Um, participate collectively with Oklahoma a few years ago at the Keith Lancaster Seminar. We, we talk about transition and flow and order of worship. Um, we train our song leaders from a very young age, the lads, the leaders, and we're encouraging them to continue that training. We even ask our members to get on Spotify or on YouTube and find the certain um, websites that teach you those new songs, to put them on in your car and to listen to them. But are you willing to make the sacrifice for song to be defined by God in your life? And not just what you're hearing, but what you're singing. And I will say, you're singing when you're not putting melody to the words. Your words are a song to God. The words that you use. So young people, the songs that you listen to that have words that are, are, are not appropriate for church, I'm not saying that we have those young people, maybe it's our adults. Those words can creep into your, to your, to your mind, into your heart. And those words can creep out of your mouth in moments where you're not thoughtful or intentional about praising God in all circumstances. Is it better to remove those words so they're not a temptation or it's not a struggle to, to know when or, or, or why to say certain things? Of course. But our world is constantly giving us words. Constantly. It's tough to find any circumstances where it's quiet in our world. But even in our quiet moments, song can still run through our heads. We have to sacrifice 
part of us to let song be something that directs us to God. Worship, the pursuit of God, begins and ends in sacrifice. Christ is a great example, the greatest example of that. God, Christ pursuing God meant that he had to sacrifice himself on the cross. Pursuing that relationship with his father. And even when it was too difficult and too much to handle, he pursued God in prayer, which we'll talk about. He pursued God in action and service. He pursued God in, in communion time. All the acts of worship, Jesus shows sacrifice in pursuit of God. Our scripture reading this morning, we see that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And their chains were removed, right? They were free as the doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Is it because song is more powerful than other ways and other things that they're doing? No. Worship is powerful. And for Paul and Silas, worship was powerful not only for God to see that they were worshiping Him in all circumstances, but and the other prisoners were listening to them. In their most trying circumstances, people who didn't have a reason to sing were given a reason to sing. The gospel message is being preached through song here in prison. Not only for those other prisoners, but for those who are working in the prison as well. Praising God in song is a living part of the development of our faith. Praising God in song is a living part of the development of our faith. It is part of the renewed mind and a transformed life. Song plays an important role in that. And praising God in song, it brings the message alive for some people. Where you're not able to do acts of service or show love and kindness. And maybe you're chained by your circumstances. Your voice is still free to sing of the praises and the victory found in Jesus. Powerful message from Paul and Silas in those circumstances. And it's a living part of the development of our faith. One of the freedoms that we have is our voice and our song. In James, it says, If anyone, if anyone is in trouble, let him pray. If anyone is happy, sing songs of praise. If anyone is among you is sick, let him call to the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And we've, we've, we've used this verse to talk about the importance of prayer. The song of a righteous person is powerful and effective as well, church. And I think it's a given in this circumstance, as song and prayer are mentioned together, that song is also powerful and effective. It's a powerful encourager when someone is, is in joy, sing with them. If someone is in sorrow, do we sing together? You try singing some of these songs, Amazing Grace and I'll Fly Away, and not think of a funeral service that you've been at. And you want to get sorrowful because you remember the person that's lost, but then you're encouraged by the singing together in difficult times. We sang Amazing Grace at the, at the, at the deathbed of all my grandparents. And um, for, my, for, my, for Ralph, 
And um, in Frida, in particular, my, my dad's uh, mom and dad, um, family were there, and you, you would look to the, the minister in the group to sort of lead. It was hard to, to not remember those other times we had sung that hymn together in those circumstances. It's hard not to go there in my mind and to get emotional about it. It's powerful and it's effective because it brought healing in those circumstances. It brought peace and hope. It speaks to the gospel. Singing is a part of developing authentic Christian relationships. Authentic Christian relationships. Worship in song is, is, yes, for us to glorify and praise our Father in heaven. And individually, we could do that here today. If there's just one of us here, you can praise God. But collectively, we're developing Christian relationships through song. Our class gives us a really good opportunity for that. Not only is it edification and opportunity to teach, but it's fellowship as well. We're willing to laugh at each other. We're willing to um, be excited about our successes and learn from our defeats because it's a process learning something new. Some of the new songs we sing will be challenging, but they will be encouraging. And they will help develop relationships. We can then trust in our song leaders and each other to know that we're all working together to do this the best way that we know how. And trust me, there are other ways in which worship and song are used in churches around the world. And we're choosing the best way that we know how to do that. To honor God as closely to Scripture as we know how. And singing is a unique tradition in the churches of Christ that give us brotherhood. Acapella singing is a brave tradition that the churches of Christ continue to endeavor in. And when you go to a conference, you go to a youth rally, you show up at a church somewhere else in another state, and they start talking about that old, old story, everyone knows the words. You may even know the parts. And you begin to harmonize with one another, and you feel like family. Lord Best Family said a really beautiful example of that early in our relationship together. I mean, anytime her family would get together, they would sing hymns. Um, I felt like part of the family. And it's tough when you're dating before you're married to feel like you fit in with the family. But when the family's singing church songs, it feels a little more natural. Right? It's a, it was a, a beautiful way in which I saw Christian relationships shown, not just at church. But at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, at funerals, when there were times to celebrate, they were celebrating in song. When there were times to mourn, they were comforting each other in song. In Colossians, Paul writes, um, he says, Be thankful and let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Singing with gratitude in your hearts. Teach and admonish one another. Teaching one another through song. Songs are a, are a very important, historically important part of storytelling. Before written word, how were stories carried out? Passed on to generations through song. If someone asks me where a certain letter in the alphabet is found, I have to get there through song. And I have to start at the beginning every time. Because I don't know my ABCs without the song. That's just how it is, 
right? We have certain things that are ingrained in us through song. We don't realize it, but the stories are there. Whatever we do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to Him through the Father. In song, we can give thanks. Storytelling through song helps the listener to define Jesus for themselves in all of life's circumstances. For themselves. We talk about personal relationship with one another and engaging in edification and fellowship through song as a body. But an evangelistic strategy as well. Storytelling through song. Passing along an album or a CD that, 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 that describes the mindset that we have in our faith. Sharing a song and teaching a song to our youth. One of the, one of the easiest evangelistic strategies that we have are bringing young people to Bible class and teaching them, teaching them in song. Letting them put the Bible in their hand and sing about the Bible. We've been doing that for generations here. And I'm sure, a show of hands, how many of you learned about the Bible in song as an infant? Harrison, I know you have a video to prove it. I'm not showing it this morning. I'm proud of those stories. Because that's something that uniquely connects us. But it allows the listener to define Jesus for themselves. Verses allow that as well. But when you're reading sometimes about stories that other people have been through, maybe it doesn't feel personal to you. But song can evoke a personal response. You ever had the goosebumps pop up at a certain song? Or a song that you're familiar with from a certain circumstance? It's almost a lot like smell, right? You smell a certain thing and it takes you to a certain place. You can hear a certain song and it'll take you to a certain place. Friends by Michael W. Smith takes me to every band competition we had as a young person growing up. And then it took me to the funeral of my best friend. And I can't hear it without crying today. And it's just, that's just how it is. It tells the story of my life. It takes me on a journey. We have people who are looking, looking for life circumstances to take them on a journey of positivity and joy and encouragement in all circumstances. And we possess one of the most simple ways to do that. Engaging in song together. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew. You don't have to have it all figured out. All you have to do is let them sing with you. Beautiful way to evangelize. In John chapter 4, we see as, as Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. <clears throat> she understands all about worship. She's clearly seen the separation of who can and can't worship and how that works in temple worship. Engaging in this conversation, he says, Yet a time is coming, and now has come, when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is the Spirit, and His worshipers must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Worshiping God is not confined to a single location or people here in John. It was the Jews had a monopoly on worshiping God. Jewish men in particular. They had the best setup possible to have access to God. But when Christ came along 
And in the process of his ministry leading to his death, burial, and resurrection, all of this changed. The veil was torn. The temple worship changed forever. It gave access to not just the Jew, but the Gentile. Not just man, but woman, slave, but free. All people had opportunity to worship God and not confined to a specific place where God dwelled and only certain people could find it there. All people could be welcome into places like this to worship God. All people could be welcome into your home to worship God. Not just places that look like a temple or a building we call the church, but the church can be active and moving and able to find people in their circumstances and remove those barriers. It is very convenient that we have a building in which to worship and we have all the, the AV equipment and the, and, and the sound equipment and the things that we need to sit and to participate comfortably, heating and air, all those things. But some of the best worship I've ever experienced is under a lean-to in the Dominican Republic when it's sweltering hot or pouring down rain. Some of the most encouraging worship I've ever experienced has been on a dirt road, not at my church, but at my community's church, because that's where they said they wanted to worship God together. They didn't have to come into our building. We could worship with them. It wasn't confined to that holy place that we deemed most comfortable for worship. Worship was found where the people were, And worship for God was found where the people are because He sent Himself to be where the people are. And Jesus Christ. Christ came to open the doors of worship to all people. So if you're limiting worship this morning and worship in song because maybe people don't want to sing like we sing. They don't know the words, the songs that we we, we sing. Let them come figure that out on their own. There are other areas of worship that can engage and entice them, that can get them focused in a different direction, and then maybe song will grow upon them, right? It's a, it's a growth and transformation process, process in all areas of worship. To assume that everyone will just feel comfortable with a cappella worship or worship to God in particular through song may be a false assumption. But don't shortchange people's opportunity to grow and transform in their worship. Worshiping God, Jesus changed how we worship God. And our one simple truth this morning, worship that pleases God is led by both heart and mind, focused on truth rather than ceremony. If we take that John verse a little further, it's not just knowing how to worship and performing those acts Precisely as we think God would want in our minds or in our actions. It's that our heart and our minds are connected in worship. So that when we're here, we're focused and intentional in worship. But on Monday, we're focused and intentional in worship as well. And that heart and mind focused on truth rather than ceremony. Now, I'm going to let you figure out where truth and ceremony conflict. But there are times where we focus on ceremony over truth. And we find ourselves eerily close to being involved in some sort of temple worship that's between us and God. And it shut the rest of the world out. Open your minds and hearts to what people need. And give them a vision of that through our worship. 
Because I believe in all aspects of worship that we participate in, that all people can find God in those circumstances. And if they have a difference of opinion, or ceremony, or tradition, they can still learn of God from our circumstances. And I believe we don't have to change our circumstances, necessarily, to, make, to fit everyone's opinion of how to worship God. But we can listen, and we can be mindful and we can take into account other people's feelings and their heart and mind on the matter and learn to grow and transform together. Truth and love, church. Worship that pleases God is led by both heart and mind and focused on truth. We talked about self-examination this morning as we were taking our communion. And we think of the difficulty at times, the, the, the gravity of, um, of being focused in that moment because that's serious, right? It's serious to talk about the death of Jesus Christ and what that means for us. It is. It, 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 there's a weight almost on me every Sunday that makes me feel like I have to, I really have to stay focused in this moment because it means so much. And it does. It does. Self-examination can be heavy. And especially when in the shadow of the cross, looking directly at the life of Jesus Christ, self-examination gets real heavy real quick. It's part of the process. It's part of daily responding. It's part of learning and growing and transforming. But it's a journey. I don't know exactly how to tell you this morning to be prepared for that self-examination on a daily basis. Because it's personal. The relationship between you and God it gets real personal at the cross, does it not? And we said at the beginning, worship begins and ends with self-sacrifice. It's modeled in the cross, self-sacrifice. We have to come to the cross, we have to acknowledge that God had a plan through Jesus Christ. And we have a role in that. And we have to give up part of ourselves, part of our lives, to carry that out. We have to let our hearts and minds be focused on that on a daily basis. We have to sing like we believe in the beauty of heaven. We have to sing like we hunger and thirst for the life found in Jesus Christ, the righteousness modeled through Jesus Christ. Sing like we're confident in our standing at judgment and our relationship with God. That's, a, that, that's one we're going to have to repeat. Sing like you're actually confident in your salvation. And that you are in relationship with the God, creator, and author of all things. It's tough because we look at Christ and we say, I can't live up to that. Why would God want to have anything to do with me? Because of Christ. Because of your commitment. Because you're singing to him this morning. Because you believe. There are a lot of reasons. Because God loves you. God loves all people. All people so much that he, equal, he, he removed the barriers. He uh, even the playing field and allows everyone to have access through Jesus Christ. And so this morning, singing is one thing. Participating in song. But being consciously aware of what you're saying. What it means. The, 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 
the insider and order of worship comes out a few days before by email. But even if we walk into services any given Sunday and we can look at that song list and just thumb through it, or maybe take it home with you and reread some of those verses that we sang this morning, you wouldn't even have to listen to what I say. All of what we do are wrapped into those songs and focus into that, those times together. Our worship needs to be intentionally focused on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and then modeled in our lives so that when people see us, they hear our song. Whether we're in chains or not, we show the power of God through the life of Jesus Christ, through self-sacrifice and confidence that we know God saves people like us. And lost people, they just want to know that God saves people like them too. And sometimes the best story that you could sing about is how God saved you, a person who looks a lot like those people who are lost. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This morning, we have an opportunity to respond. We'll have a couple of our elders in the back to talk with, pray over, just deal with life circumstances in a private manner. But in a public display, one in which you want to confess publicly to our church here, or choose to become a Christian, be baptized in the waters of baptism, to be forgiven of our sins, and begin a process through a relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to renew your minds and transform your life. That process doesn't just begin and end all in that one decision. It takes time. So let's sing about it. Let's sing about the opportunity we have to be cleansed through the blood of Christ, to be empowered and be excited about what we do after we leave here this morning. You guys have a lot of plans. It's been a busy weekend. Been a lot of graduation parties. I've ate, eaten way too much cake. But I've enjoyed seeing those successes in our, in our church family. Be, enjoyed seeing those families that are coming and traveling. The people that are in. Excited about what happens in the scattering. From this place this morning. We talked about that in Romans. We were talking about the purpose, the intro to Romans, and, and where, where believers came to Rome before Paul came to Rome. He writes to believers because they were involved in hearing the gospel and the scattering of that message. Scatter that in song as we leave here this morning.